This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He is also the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And you guys are saying, where are the pennants? Uh, where's the Green Bay Packer photo uh, with the Super Bowl and everything else? Uh, Brian Broaddus is at a wedding today, so he's in a hotel. So so for the the, the nitpicky uh, folks who are out there sometimes going like, why does the audio sound different? We're, we're, we're making the best of our situation this morning. But Brian, we're glad to have you there. Uh, where, where are you at? You, you Austin, right? Yeah, I'm right outside. Is it Bernie, Texas is yeah. where I'm at? So yeah, that was a, it was an interesting drive last night. Uh, after our show, uh, the G Bag Nation was over at five thirty, so I hopped in a car and uh, so uh, made my way down to uh, down through South Texas and uh, got a wedding this afternoon here in Bernie, and then I got to turn around and drive back home about four and a half hours, five hours after the wedding to uh, hit my Cowboys uh, pre and post game shows tomorrow. So exciting, uh, exciting times here in the. The travel world of Brian brought us. Yeah, grateful for uh, no noon kickoff tomorrow, I bet. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. That'll make things a little bit easier. Okay, Brian. So I guess uh, as we record this on Saturday morning, let's go ahead and just uh, update the injury status for the game first, the implications that could come from that. Uh, Tyler Smith is doubtful uh, to play this week, as is Donovan Wilson, um they you know just weren't able to get them ready to go uh as quickly as they wanted brandon cooks questionable zach martin questionable i believe zach martin is going to play he sounded fine when he talked to you guys about it he sounded like he had the most optimistic chance to play um brandon cooks seems genuinely kind of 50 50 um but it doesn't seem like anything that's a long-term issue it's just something that it would be this week and then he'd be back it's not like anything it doesn't seem like that they're really concerned about the one that i'm interested in is the fact that 
this Tyler Smith one seems to have lingered on them a little bit. Um, that that I I think that from the time the injury happened to this weekend, it seems like this has gone on longer than they maybe initially anticipated. Yeah, I think you're right about that. You know, the soft tissue injuries that we always talk about, Jerry and Steven bring it up when they're on us on our shows, you know, with us, and they talk about how they sometimes do linger a little bit. If I could circle back real quick on the Cooks one. Mm-hmm. I know we're taping this on a Saturday morning, likely to be played on a Saturday afternoon or a little bit later. From what I was told about Cooks, is that he's in a situation where they'll know more today being Saturday, but the feeling was good about him being available for the game. That's that's the couple of different people that I asked in the organization were saying that they'll know a lot more today, and but they were feeling good about it. Now, there might be some setback or something like that. We'll see, but um, I took it as – Cooks was going to find a way to play in this game. Now, we'll see how it all plays out. Now, to get back to your Tyler Smith situation, that one is, uh, you know, I I was happened to be at the Star walking to uh, do my show with Cowboys Break, and I saw Tyler Smith out there working, and, you know, and he looked he looked good. Again, I'm, I'm walking, I'm just noticing, and but he was on the cords with Britt Brown, uh, you know, he looked good from that part as far as the mobility is what I was able to see. Again, I only saw, you know, one or two. If he was limping or anything like that, I would have been kind of like, oh, well, that looks like a setback. But I think they're in a situation right now where they just want to make absolutely sure. They don't want it to be a thing where all of a sudden he's working uh, to get back and then he plays in the game and he's not completely ready. Now, again, the Cowboys don't put hurt players out there that's just not their mo they just do not i mean players can want to play and all that they will hold a player out of a game because if if, you know players like yeah i want to play i want to play i want to play and it it could very well be what brandon cook's situation might be you know but they they are going to make sure these players have the ability to protect themselves and not get further injury so um but yeah the tyler smith's uh, the one that i thought was a little bit more that I thought the guy was back uh, for this week was 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 Donovan Wilson. Yeah, that was the one that I really uh, felt like that. You know, the fact that uh, I, I know Aisha Morrison was reporting this. Uh, you know, she saw you know Britt Brown and and Donovan Wilson. You know, giving a hug. You know, after one of the you know one of the sessions, and usually. You know, we've seen that before. I've seen that before on the practice field where these players thank Britt for getting them to a certain point. And to me, you know, when Aisha reported that, I kind of felt like, okay, well, then we could very well see Donovan Wilson. They're they're in an interesting situation, too. And I've talked to Stephen. I asked Stephen Jones's question uh, on the G-Bag Nation on Friday about having to dress or, or uh, healthy scratches. You know, Jordan Lewis, healthy scratch last week. Uh, you know, could, uh, you know, these guys, Donovan Wilson, could he be a healthy scratch? You know, just one more week uh, kind of. But they've, they've got some decisions that they have to make. And I asked Stephen in a way, of, would this be sometimes scheme specific? If you felt like that the Jets were going to run the ball a ton, maybe you dress this guy. Or you felt like that 
the Eagles were going to throw the ball a ton, you dress this guy. So the Cowboys, as long as they're a healthy team, they're going to be some pretty good players that probably sit out some of these games. And maybe it's scheme specific as we see them, you know, dress and dress in the coming weeks. And just over on the Jordan Lewis topic, uh, not to deviate too much from, you know, week of stuff here, but if Jordan Lewis continues to be a guy that maybe they don't dress and, and look, it could very well be, I, I don't know that MetLife turf has been criticized pretty heavily before it's back in the news again this week for the Aaron Rodgers injury. They, they changed it out this spring. Um, but is it possible that, you know, it was just, okay, Jordan Lewis could have not dressed because of the, the weather and the turf. And we don't want him debuting and, and getting his first game speed action out there on that surface. Or is there a chance that they just feel like, you know, not enough room. And if that's the case, does he become a guy that they could potentially move? Yeah, I mean, there's always the possibility of of the what you're saying with the move situation. Um, as we get closer, I just feel like though, you know, now it, it's do they want him completely ready? Yeah, was he ready? It sounded like that he was, but mm-hmm. how much practice time? Now he started practicing when the team came back. If you remember the first one of the first two practices they had at the star, he was in the lineup. He was running with the twos. Um, you know, I went out there and watched practice when they got back from Oxnard and, and it was after that final game, after the final cuts and he was running, you know, like, so he's had practice time. So maybe they felt like that, like I said, a scheme specific thing with, Marquise Brown uh Bell. being Bell, excuse me, Marquise Bell being um more uh more of a fit for what they're trying to do. And, you know, so I could say I, I think it's kind of a scheme specific thing, at least initially here, until they kind of figure some things out. So uh, that's the injury situation. That's where things stand on that front. In all likelihood, uh, Chuma Idogo will go ahead and go for the Cowboys at left guard, it sounds this like. This will be different for him, by the way. This is a totally different um, when you look at Idogo. And he played well against a, a power group last week with the yeah, Giants. Just but, the second time he's ever played guard in his career. Well, this will be different for him because – you know, and having to deal with Quentin Williams and having to deal with Quentin Jefferson and, you know, Al Woods, guys like that, this will be different for him, especially with Jefferson and Williams in the lineup. They're more active. They're more of the ability to uh, to get small, to get through gaps. Uh, this will be unlike what he went against last week where it was a little bit more power and he was able to sit down and, uh, and have a, a very successful game. Yeah, this will be a big game for him, and I, I this is one where, as talented as the Giants' front is, you know, Dexter Lawrence is, is one of the top defensive tackles in the league. Uh, Leonard Williams is a good player. Kayvon Thibodeau, a top-five type of player uh, when he was coming out in the draft. This is still a level up. You're, you're, you're going a level up against it. Quinnen Williams is more in the like Aaron Donald, Chris Jones type of conversation at this point than than the Dexter Lawrence one. So this will definitely be a step up for them, something that they're going to have some some difficulties, I would guess, with on Sunday. Uh, it's interesting to me, Brian, when, when they picked Tyler Smith, I think the initial thought was, okay, until Tyron retires, our offensive line will be Tyron at left tackle, Tyler at left guard, 
Tyler Biotish at center, Zach Martin at right guard, Terrence Steele at right tackle. They have played 1,745 snaps since they picked Tyler Smith. Preseason, regular season, playoffs. And that combination has played no snaps together yet. And and obviously, there there's not much they could have done about it. It's been injuries to Steele, Tyron, Tyler. Tyler Biotish has been banged up at times. Zach Martin has, has you know, some bumps and bruises and holds out and, and some different things. So this offensive line continuity has, has never really been able to get going the way they initially intended it uh, with Tyler Smith uh, once they picked Tyler Smith. But, uh, you know, Chuma Doga got a, a big vote of confidence this week. Tyler Smith said he did a wonderful job. Zach Martin in the locker room this week said did a nice job. Speaks to a guy ready to go when his number was called. Said he was really encouraged by the way that he played. Uh, they're obviously giving him a lot of praise here. But where do you feel like you're going to be you're you're going to miss Tyler Smith less. Like like how do they change the offense with Idoga in this matchup? Do they say all right, we're just going to get to these three-step drops, hit these quick throws, get the ball out like that or do you just say, "Hey, let's try to run the ball a little bit more. We feel better about Idoga trying to, you know, do some things with his his power in the run game." How do you think they try to adjust the game plan based on Idoga being in there at left guard? But Taylor, it's a really, really good question. And the way you think about it is the problem that you run into with the Jets is their secondary. You run in now when you start to think about quick game, it's a little different running the quick game on a couple of rookie corners with the Giants. Yeah. You know, soon to be, you know, talented guys, but you're it's it's you know, it's not the situation that you're in right now with DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner playing, you know, and 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 a, and a very and a talented safety group. You know, this secondary is a little bit different. And and one of the things when I was doing my game plan breakdown was with this crew, you have to be if you're Dak Prescott, you have to be absolutely confident where you're throwing the football. Yeah, there there can't be any hesitation. Uh, there can't be any second doubts or. You know, there, there, there has to be the absolute commitment to throwing the ball, and there has to be an absolute commitment to running the route. And this is where, this is where I think Brandon Cooks comes in. That 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 ability to separate, that ability to find space, the ability to finish the route. There was several times last year where CD Lamb didn't finish routes. What happened? It resulted in interceptions. Yeah, you don't finish a route here. You don't have complete confidence where you're throwing the football. This secondary will turn you over. The movement of this Jets defensive line, when it comes to they play that what they call a wide nine, and a wide nine is the gap, and the nine the nine hole is the widest of the hole. So the 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 width of the defense is pretty substantial when you play this way. But it also allows you the flexibility of movement and it allows you the ability to slant and it allows you the ability to twist and and do things that, you know, to, to, to create a lot of confusion up front. And so what will happen is I think initially you try and run the football against this wide nine. You try and run and see maybe they slant strong. Maybe they're going to slant weak. You know, you try and pop some runs. I don't want to get into a game 
where it's completely try and throw the football against this Jets defense. I just don't think that's the the path to victory. Now, the path to victory to me is is score points, which is obvious. But the more points you score, the more pressure that puts on Zach Wilson. So to me, you have to be very mindful of that and opportunities to score points. But I think initially, to answer your question, Bobby, I would start with the run and and then work from there. Maybe maybe soften them up a little bit, much like they're going to try and soften you up. I have a feeling when you look at the other side of the ball, the Jets, they don't want to get into a game where it's throwing the football. That's yeah. just not – that's not – how they're built for trying to win, especially with Zach Wilson at quarterback. It's just not going to happen. So both teams are going to have to find a way initially to get footing because both secondaries are outstanding. Both defensive, the both front sevens are really, really good. So both teams are offensively are in a little bit of a bind of how they manufacture or create their offense, but you better be confident doing it because like I say, both, both lines will sack you, and both secondaries will turn you over. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, uh, when we talk specifically about the Jets defense and and we know the type of, you know, talent that's there, how how strong they are, I, I want to kick around a, a specific idea that uh, I, I think is interesting in terms of how the Cowboys might be approaching this game a little bit. Um, so the measuring stick for the Cowboys has clearly become the San Francisco 49ers. And it's a matchup that, the Cowboys have allowed it to influence their personnel acquisitions the following offseason whenever they've lost to San Francisco. So in 21, you lose to San Francisco in a way that was pretty embarrassing because it was just it was so physical and they just bullied you in that game. Uh, and and it caused the Cowboys, I think, to kind of reflect a little bit on how they lost some of the games during the year, which were physical football games were the ones they tended to lose. Um and they go into the offseason and they they have a very specific, okay, we need to get uh we need to get more physical, we need to get toughness, we need to get attitude. It was all up and down their draft picks that year. Tyler Smith, Sam Williams, like that was what they were looking for was toughness, physicality. Uh they they built the team with, with toughness and physicality, a big part of it that offseason. Last year, you obviously have Pollard go down. The offense can't get going. Everybody's wondering how stagnant it is. And 
they go and decide to, you know, change the the passing concepts and swap out your play caller and you go acquire Brandon Cooks. We need more weapons. It can't just be CD. There, there's been a response to San Francisco each of the last few times. And this week, it was interesting how many players were talking about the San Francisco 49ers when talking about the Jets. Uh, Terrence Steele this week said, that the Jets and uh, 49ers are similar, especially defensive-wise. They come from similar families of coaching. Definitely a lot of similarities there. Pollard uh, had said that he they do remind him of San Francisco just with how they like to do the D-line play and some of the games and all of those things. And then Zach Martin gave the longest quote of it when they said, hey, does this defense remind you of anyone? He said, when you look at the tape, there's a ton of San Francisco that pops out to you, not only with the scheme, but how their guys play and especially how their front is coached to play. They get in those jet stances and try to get up the field, penetrate, ruin your combination blocks and get to the quarterback. So there's a lot of similarities there between them and San Francisco. Obviously, the connection with Robert Sala, who was the defensive coordinator for several years in San Fran, the personnel's really good. But knowing how much Dallas has viewed San Francisco as a measuring stick and knowing they've got San Francisco here in three, four weeks, whatever it is, uh, is this game a little bit more than just your normal interconference game, do you think, for Dallas? Do you think they look at it as, hey, this is dress rehearsal for seeing how our changes in response to what San Francisco did, seeing how those things work? Yeah, I think you make a really good point and, and very well explained I think of another team you look at in the division is the Philadelphia Eagles. Basically, the last two games that they've had have dealt with the New England Patriots influence. Mm-hmm. If you look at, you know, you actually play the Patriots and then you turn around against the Vikings and then you got Brian Flores, who is a Bill Belichick disciple. So you see certain ways, you know, maybe people kind of gave you a little bit of a blueprint for how to play the Eagles. You know, the last couple of weeks, yeah. uh, Eagles have struggled on offense a little bit. Um, you know, they've, they've really lived off the turnover uh, the last couple of weeks as well. So, yeah, I think the same thing with the Cowboys and what they're dealing with right now with with the San Francisco. It, it is very similar. It's just very similar in a way too. both teams have really good personnel. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, you you know, they the. The 49ers have, have found ways to, you know, their front seven. It's a physical front. Um, I think the 49ers front seven is probably a little bit more physical than what you have with the Jets, but maybe a little bit more athletic with the Jets as opposed to uh, now. I know they got a Bosa and others that play, but man, they, you know, the Jets can run a lot of different combinations at you and they do it. And, you know, I mean, they drafted Will McDonald from, you know, Iowa State. I really loved what he was able to bring. Uh, you know, Iowa State, I think he's going to be a fine player. Jermaine Johnson's a really nice player that they drafted in the first round. Quinnen Williams, the first round. You go out and get Carl Lawson, who's got, you know, seven sacks last year. He's probably going to play this week, you know. it, it the, the, the linebackers. You know, Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley, that's a good group. That's a good front seven. Yeah. And so now, and San Francisco's the same way. I would say the Jets have a better secondary, you know, with you look at the corners and stuff. So, yeah, it is a, it is a, it is a, it's a test in the way of scheme. But, man, but both teams have key players uh, to make that scheme work. 
is it something where if you struggle, if the offense struggles against the Jets and then you struggle against the 49ers, do you think that the Cowboys, who have been reactionary in the past to San Francisco games, do you think it's something where the Cowboys view it as essentially we just failed against San Francisco twice? Or do you think they just... Do you think they can separate those out? Because that's a, what, really what I'm wondering is, do they view this as this is essentially we're playing San Francisco as close to playing San Francisco as we can. And so it's going to be included in our evaluation of how do we stand up against them? Man, I think you're getting really deep on that. I am. And the fact that it, three no, players no, it, talked it, it, about no, it in no. the locker this week was interesting to me, though. <laughs> no, it's it's very it's because, you know, you don't play you don't play the Jets all that often. That's mm-hmm. the thing about it. So you don't. Not many teams. I'm trying to think of the teams that would be, you know, San Francisco influenced around the league that you might play. But well, here, yeah, I, let, let me draw a comparison. Would it be similar to if you struggled in years past against, uh, like, like last year, let's say? Would it be similar if you said we struggle against the Eagles and what they do? So when we play Baltimore and Lamar Jackson and their read yeah. option stuff, we're going to include yeah. that in our evaluation of how prepared we are for Philly. Like, would it be similar to say Jets defense, to 49ers defense is in the past the no, read option? No question. That the yeah, no question. Yeah, I, I think that I think that that right there is 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 fair because there is like Robert Sala. There is that you know there is that influence. Uh, I think it's Jeff Erlbeck. Erlbeck, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the 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 he's the coordinator. He came from you know he came from San Francisco with Robert Sala. You know, I mean Jeff's been a coach for you know i'm not saying a ton of years but what were his influences his influence are working you know playing and then working you know with the 49ers so yeah i mean you're going to teach what you know so yeah it's and 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 scheme wise yeah personnel wise yeah i mean this is this is a this is a pretty pretty uh pretty parallel group of games coming up here in the next three when you start to talk about the style of defenses you're playing. Now, one of the things we just kind of touched on a little bit a second ago, you had, you know, mentioned how tough it might be to get into some of the quick strike passing stuff that you want to yeah. do because it's it's different the type of corners that you're playing against. Um there was a lot to love, obviously, about 40 to nothing in week one. Um, but you didn't get to get into some of your new passing concepts. We didn't get to see some of that debuted the way we had anticipated um, weather being up big early. I mean, the Cowboys were up 19 nothing before uh, Dak even went on the first touchdown drive of the game. And so it's it's really tough to say that they were in a position where, you know, they're just trying to maintain a lead and it's bad weather, just get through the game. Uh, what is interesting here, one of the data sets we can see that was definitely different, um, and I'll just run through the numbers real quick here. We've heard a lot this week about the time to throw, which is from snap to release. Snap to release. Here are Dak's numbers from 2016 through week one. 2.88 seconds to throw his rookie year on average. 2.82 second year, 2.82 third year, 2.88 fourth year. 2020, there's a, a, a drop. Pretty pretty like noticeable one in that it's 2.77 in 2020, 2.75 in 21, 2.72 in 22. And then in week one, he was getting the ball out in 2.37 seconds which is noticeably faster. That's not a small... I know it sounds like 0.3 seconds. You're like, how much is that really? That's fast. Uh, And that's where the one aspect you will see that's different, quicker throws necessitate shorter route concepts. 
The intended air yards average, Brian, for Dak, 2016, 8.7, 8.4, 7.6, 9.4, 8.8, 8.3 for his career. He's 8.3. Week one, 6.4. Yeah. And my question to you, Brian, is when we see these quick strike throws, and, and Dak talked about it this week, said it's a good way to try and equalize the pass rush a little bit, just being able to get the ball out quick, and you got to trust that the guys are – you know, getting out of their their breaks quick and, and be ready for the ball. But is that more small sample size coupled with, you know, weather influences and everything else? Or do you think this is the concepts? These are the concepts the Cowboys want to run to try to minimize turnovers and implement the offense. I think it's clearly what they want to try and do. I think it's they clearly want to try and create separation and they don't want to have to stress out their offensive line. You know, I think those are two... Uh, I think that, uh, you know, when you, you you present the data the way you did, it's very, very clear. You know, they're not interested in Dak Prescott holding the football. They feel like, and I'm just saying this from an observation standpoint, they have to feel like that when Dak holds the ball, it tends to lead to potential mistakes. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying against this Jet secondary you have to be decisive when you throw the football because if you sit there and hold it and wait and you're not sure, they're going to turn you over. And so, yeah, this is clearly one of the adjustments that that Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer and this offensive staff has tried to make is that, hey, we're not going to let all the tape evaluation we've done with Dak Prescott, that when he holds the ball, there tends to be mistakes. And so that's that's where I feel like that they're the focus of this of this attack, at least initially, uh, is is that's what they're basing their their findings on. That hey, we got to get the ball out, and if we get the ball out and they're decisive about it, we're not going to have the turnovers that we had last year. All right, Brian. So let's uh, let's go ahead and pick this game. Get a get a sense of uh, where it's heading before we go ahead and do uh, the love of the star mailbag. Uh, I, I think that this one is going to be low scoring. I do think the Cowboys are going to, you know, I, the Jets' defense is really good. I, I think if you can put twenty seven thirty points up on them, you should feel great about your offense. <laughs> um, but I do think this will be a low scoring game, um, one that I think Dallas is generally in control of most of the day, but it's not going to look like it at the end of the day on the uh, on the scoreboard. So I have Cowboys 16-10 over the Jets in this one. They moved to 2-0, and uh, and and then it's on to Arizona. Yeah, I kind of uh, – I, I really like what you're saying with the low score. I, I actually went 26-13, and I, maybe six of those points – can come from a turnover, maybe a sack fumble, you know, some type of uh, defensive touchdown, maybe a special teams touchdown. It, your 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 score is probably more indicative. But again, I went twenty six to thirteen. I I think it's going to be initially very very tough, and then maybe Dallas does figure something out offensively. You know, maybe they maybe there's you know the the thing that I worry about the Jets in this game, Bobby is that they just load up and they say, you know what, we're going to try and shorten the game. We can't pass protect well enough. Our quarterback doesn't read defenses great. And if we put him in harm's way, there's going to be problems. So I I very well see this thing, you know, there could be a lot of running in this game from the Jets 
just to see if the Cowboys are good enough. And maybe, if anything, you soften them up running the football and you have a little success, then you could kind of find ways to throw the football because now you got kind of a beat-up front that's having to play, you know, you know, take on blocks all day. And that, that softens you up. I mean, the Giants played right into their hands. So they became very one-dimensional. And I don't think the Jets – they, the Jets know that they can't win a game if it becomes one-dimensional. They just can't. So um, your your score, your game is probably more accurate, but I went 26-13. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. First question here from Ed Schaefer. Uh, with Chuma Idoga holding up in week one, is there a better chance they play the long game and slow the return of Tyler Smith to give him the greatest chance of being 100% healthy? We mentioned earlier this thing has seemed to linger for Tyler Smith. Is it maybe that it's not lingering? They just feel like there's no need to rush back? Or or do you think, no, as soon as Tyler Smith is healthy, they they want him in there? I think as soon as Tyler Smith's healthy, they want him back in there. Um, you know, this uh, last week, uh, uh, Adoga was not a liability he could be a liability in this game yeah. with 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 how active you know Quentin Jefferson and Quentin Williams are. He could be a liability. And I, I think as soon as he's healthy to go, it the one thing of his good play last week, and if they could get through another week, that does give uh that does give Tyler Smith the best opportunity to be completely healthy. Um, and ready to go against Arizona. Hell, they might even rest him one more week if you really think about things. You know, if, if they feel like that Adoga got through it okay, you know, what's what's one more week uh, to make sure to completely get you ready for what's New England and San Francisco? So, yeah, I would I would kind of think that might be a plan too. Yeah, I, I do think that there if if Tyler Smith is ready to play, especially for this game, they want him in there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it was, they were, Idoga did a, a fine enough job. I think they, but I don't think they look at it and say, well, Idoga was just so good that we can expect right. he'll do it again against the Jets. Uh, right. Tyler Smith does make a difference for this team. And like we mentioned earlier, uh, Idoga is a guy who he started 14 games in his career. Uh, even being a third round pick who's been in the league, this is year five for him now, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. and he's a, a guy who this is last week was the only, only the second time he's ever played guard in the NFL. Um, Amazing. So it had been tackle his entire career. So I, I think you'd prefer to have Tyler Smith out there, um, but, you know, they they were all seemingly pleased with how well Idoga held up in the first game. We'll see if he's able to do it again. Uh, next question here from Joe. He says, I was surprised they dressed four running backs. Do you think this will continue, or was it because they had three injured players that didn't play? Yeah, man. Joe, you're on to something here. I, I, I'm uh... – as much as people hate me saying this, and I've done it on a lot of different platforms, tell me all the things that Deuce Vaughn does for you in a game. When you start to think about how many plays does he bring you? Does he bring you special teams plays? What are the offensive plays that he brings? There's going to be a point in time, and, and Deuce Vaughn could very well be, you're only allowed to dress, what, 48 guys? Mm-hmm. Something like that? So... I think there's a possibility that when we mention the healthy scratch guys, Deuce Vaughn could be a healthy scratch guy. Instead of Lipke? Well, you know, it seems like to me with Lipke, they have, they, that Lipke has more plays. You know, I mean, 
they they put Deuce Vaughn in that game last week because it was a blowout. You know, if if, if that was a tight game, how much does Deuce Vaughn really play? Yeah, I mean, you especially know, if they're if they're going to throw Turpin in the backfield at that's times. That's what I'm saying. They they had they they had intent of playing Turpin in that game. You don't you don't sit there and just you know like oh well let's put Turpin in the backfield and hand him the ball. There was intent to get him four to six snaps. You know, and him lining up in the backfield. I again, I'm not trying to to diminish what Deuce Vaughn can bring. I'm just telling you though, he he's on that list of. Would you rather dress another uh, another corner or another safety or another linebacker, you know, over over what he brings? I, I mean, you know, you know, Bell and Wanye Thomas and those guys were super productive in that game the other day, you know, to the point where it made me, okay, if you had to pick one of those over what Deuce Vaughn was doing, I'm dressing one of those defensive players. So I, I think he – I think Dean – uh, I think Deuce could be very scheme specific, and they have to clearly have a plan. But if they keep handing the ball, you know, to to Turpin, then really, what are you doing with Deuce Vaughn? Yeah. Uh, next question here from Steve: uh, With the clear intent from opponents to establish the run on us, does our D line movement make us vulnerable? What do you think the strategy will be? Any tricks up DQ sleeve? This is something where um, you know it, it had given them problems in the past. They they do love to do the the twists and stunts. They they've done yeah. those a lot with Dan Quinn. Um and you remember there was a point last year where uh I think Quinn even talked about it that like they had to to figure out a way to respond to because some of those were getting them gashed in the running game a little bit. Yeah. Um yeah. and so uh, is that anything that's a, a still a concern is Steve's question. Uh I, I didn't I, I don't remember seeing as much of it. I mean, there were, there was definitely some times they were doing it. There was the Odigizua sack where where Micah ate up two blockers, but sure. um, I don't remember seeing as much of it relative to last year in week one. Yeah, it's something that you have to be very mindful of. And, and people out there also need to catch maybe a little bit of an understanding. Just because you have Mozzie Smith and Hankins on the field at the same time, it doesn't. It doesn't guarantee you your stop in the running game. Yeah, you know, teams teams will look at your. They'll look at your strength. Remember when you play, when you play a team like back in the day, like Haloti Nada with the Ravens or uh, Tony Siragusa when he played for the Ravens inside. You didn't run the ball inside. You just didn't do it. You can't. You can block those guys. Uh, Vita Vea at Tampa. There's guys that you just can't block. And what do you do? You work around that. You run the ball to the edge. It's crack toss. It's sweep. It's outside zone. It's, you know, just because you have two big body guys inside, maybe in 1978 when people were running the ball inside and just handing it straight ahead to Bill Brown or Dave Osborne or Jim Otis from the old St. Louis Cardinals when you just run it straight ahead. Teams don't run the ball like that anymore. They just don't. So, but having having Mozzie and having Hankins, does it help your linebackers? Sure it does. Sure it does. But you get sometimes you get these guys, especially if the ball's going on the edge, you get these linemen now that would just They'll they'll combo block, but it won't be like it won't be hip to hip and try and push a guy to the linebacker. It'll be it'll be hit 
and then go. It, it's not, you know, they want to get that, they want to get that blocker to the second level as fast as they can. Was that Schoon? I think Schoonmaker did that in the uh, on the Pollard run where he comboed yeah. and and yeah. went. Yeah, and that's where that's where Zach Martin and and Steele are real good. They 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 like Steele knows that Martin if if he just gives Martin a bump, Martin's going to get his guy one on one, and then he can go up and get a linebacker. So. Yeah, the Cowboys, like I say, Mozzie and having just two massive dudes in the middle only guarantees you that the middle will probably be secure, you know? Yeah. And hopefully the middle will keep Damone Clark and Leighton Vanderesh free to run to the ball. That's where that works. But if you get you get down linemen that get turned, or you get inside guys that get turned or knocked up the field. There's the opportunity. That's what the, you know, the I, I'll tell you what I worry about in this game is the Jets quarterback, you know, Zach Wilson running the ball a little bit. Now, they don't have a lot of options behind him. If something were to happen in this game, well, the Jets are dead. Tom you know? Tupa? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Richard Todd, you know, Ken, Ken O'Brien, yeah. mean, Joe Namath, you know, who do you just name them all? But I think to me this – this the way the running games play. The, the Jets are going to test you. They just know. They just know they can't win a game if it turns into a drop back game. They just know that. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star podcast. The Cowboys and the Jets will kick off uh, at 3:25 at AT&T Stadium for the home opener tomorrow. Likely without Tyler Smith. Uh, likely without Donovan Wilson. We'll see on Brandon Cooks. Uh, it looks like Zach Martin will be in there. Uh, but Brian and I will have all of the reaction for you early next week. Until next time, for Brian Broaddus, I'm Bobby Bell. We will talk to you guys later.